Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Thomas Hayes Studios offers striking modern furniture that is unique in its fidelity to the best elements of mid-century design. Pieces are conceived in the distinctive vision of Thomas Hayes and are the expert elegant synthesis of the Californian craftsman revolution and Brazilian design from that period. For the most part, designs are inspired by the exotic woods and joie de vivre culture of the modern era and of today in Brazil. Hayes first fell for modernism in the 90s when he drove past a pair of Eames lounge chairs sitting on a porch in the Bay Area. Drawn immediately to the clean lines and sleek simplicity, Hayes set out to remake modern marketable to a growing minority. For over a decade now, he has been handpicking vintage furniture while curating what has become the extensive inventory populating his 6,500 square foot gallery space and warehouse next door on Santa Monica Boulevard in the heart of Hollywood. Beginning in 2005, constructions entirely of his own devising, highly informed by his experience and familiarity with modern masters, developed at the vintage gallery alongside work as normal. Thus was born a new endeavor, Thomas Hayes Studio, and the formal launch of Hayes Signature Spring 2013 collection on April 18th. The pieces included his collection represent a tightly curated group of designs from the last several years, while also hinting at the work that should be expected of the designer in years to come. Each design is produced meticulously and with only the highest quality materials, and most pieces are available for custom order in various sizes and materials. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mary. This is I really update cool. that. I should update that. It's just like it's coming up on 20 years and it says 10 years. And uh yeah, it's interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So you and I first met via FaceTime. That's right. At the Priano opening in Tampa, Florida. You were tuning in virtually from Los Angeles and we met on FaceTime. You had messaged me on Instagram a few weeks prior, just you know, through mutual friends. And when I went out to Los Angeles this past summer, we met up in person and it was like, oh, hello, family that I've known for my entire life. It's good to see you again. It's amazing. You are such a master of networking. Where does that come from? And have you always been that way? Well, okay, so that's interesting. That's a great question. So um, before this career, I used to do, and I'm embarrassed now, but I was very young back then. I used to do like nightclub management and promotion in San Francisco. And I did like a real guerrilla marketing sort of street marketing thing. And I was just out there in the world, like meeting people and, you know, inviting them and stuff. And so that really became, you know, when you talk to 10,000 people, like you stop being afraid just to talk to people, right? And you start being, you start noticing patterns now people react to you and it builds confidence, right? So like young men, I do a lot of mentoring um, and the ones who are like really, you know, afraid, which is like most young men, you know, I tell them, why don't you set a goal this week to just go ask three girls on like a very low key, like on a date, 
and try to get three no's. The goal is not to get a date, it's to get three no's. And if they don't say no, just say, look, I committed to like be brave and just talk to a pretty girl and just, you know, ask her out. So you can just say no, it would be, I would be achieving my goal, right? And to watch what happens with these guys, because our message in anything, in business or relationships, because business and relationships are the same thing, right? Because it's all about the people you interact with. You you think, oh, I'm being rejected because my work is bad, people don't like me, or this girl doesn't like me, she thinks I'm not attractive enough, or whatever it is. And the truth is, there's a hundred reasons that people at that moment are not going to be, you know, someone that's going to buy something from you or a girl who's going to like you. But and you start considering that. You start thinking, well, people are just experiencing what they're experiencing in the world, right? So that's where my uh, fearlessness of talking to people comes from. That being said, I don't want to do it. As an artist and a creator, I want to work on furniture. I want to work on designs. I want to draw, you know, things and make prototypes. And that's what I want to do. When COVID started, my wife, who is like my biggest fan, basically, um, almost in an annoying way for me, because like I, I use her opinion over my own because I trust her opinion more than mine. So she told me, look, every designer sitting at home, COVID's happening. We're just sitting at home and designers are going crazy. You need to be in their DMs. You need to hit them up and ask them how they're doing and offer to be of service to them and helpful to them. And so I did that like really aggressively and I just started, you know, being supportive and kind and not like selling furniture, but just like, Hey, let's design something together. Let's do a fun thing together. And it's not about the money or the sale or whatever. And it's just about the relationship. And it, it garnered me some amazing relationships with these really talented people. Another rule that I have is, Give genuine compliments liberally, you know, and tell people when you think they're really cool or when you think what they're doing is cool. And it doesn't matter if they have a thousand followers or a million followers. Everyone needs to hear a pointed, concise compliment about something that they put a lot into, you know. And so I do that and I do it shamelessly. I'm just like, you know, I see some whatever it is. I mean, even like this woman, I saw this woman, an artist who I like her work, she's Brazilian. She had her canvases and she was like licking the canvas in a photo. And she was like, I'm feeling amorous towards, you know, <laughs> towards my artwork. And I was just like, I feel this way about furniture. I DM'd her and said, and I love that you're just like doing this. It's so cool. Thank you. And she was just like, you know, she responded back. Yeah, like. You know, it's, I, I know it's nice to meet somebody who feels the same, who's that passionate about something. So, you know, that connection and seeking connection with people is everything. It's what doubled my business in um, 2020. And in 2021, I doubled my business again. And a lot of the things that I collaborated with designers on have become these really successful pieces that I sell over and over and over again. And you know, I ended up doing them for their house, right? For free, just because I'm so grateful for, you know, collaboratively doing something. I'm purely collaborative all the time. Like I want everyone in the gallery to sit on something and move around and try to even try to break it to see if it's like, if it can be broken by somebody sitting on it, you know? And 
And that is what gets you to the sweet spot of seating, of like finding the thing that's good for short people, tall people, skinny people, um, you know, bigger people. And that's how you do it. That's how you find like the just perfect position that's the middle for everyone, you know, for everyone's seating posture. So, um, yeah, so I do that and I'm doing it now again, even though. I haven't for a long time. I'm really engaging the audience and like talking to people. And also another big thing, investing in micro influencers, people who are starting out, people who are really talented and they're everyone's insecure and everyone's like afraid to put their face up, right? And to say, hey, you're cool. Put yourself in the in the photos, put your personality, your flavor. You are the brand, you are the entity, you know, and it's just, it's been really great doing that because it makes people want to work with you. It makes people, you know, feel that you're a true support for them. And I am, and, and I want to be, and it's a lot of fun, you know, I think to support other people. So. That's amazing. So just to be, just to clarify, you are a luxury furniture designer amongst many things. And when you're saying that you DM'd other designers, you're not speaking to other designers like yourself. You're saying interior designers. Mostly interior designers. However, there are furniture designers that I do the same thing. I hit them up and say, I love your work and I'll do posts of their things. There's one guy, um, I'm going to mention him because he always is surprised, but Richard Reitman is a guy who makes like campaign style, beautiful handmade furniture. And, you know, he doesn't have a ton of followers, right? But his work is great and impeccable. And I always would post him and he's like, why are you doing this? You know, whatever. It's because I love what I do. And I think more than sharing a snobby brand with people, sharing your passion and your love of other people's things is really, I don't know another word for it, but it's classy to not be that into yourself and to like celebrate others. And, you know, whether it's an interior designer or a furniture designer or an artist, I just try to like embrace the whole process. Like Lauren Williams is an artist that I've done a collaboration with. I'm going to show you a piece because I can do that. Um, this is a sculpture and I make the metal part and she does the fiber work and I have like little wood rounds and these have done like incredibly well. And that just was born from saying, Hey, I love your work and I want to work with you. And, and the money part, we didn't even talk about, like, it was just, you know, yeah. And I told her I would do it for free and I would just get her the metal pieces. And her husband was like, no, we're going to sell these and you have to do it with us. And I was like, okay. Like we sold like 150 sculptures, I think. You know? Yeah. So you, like myself, turned a passion of yours into a business and you're Mm. very um, forthcoming with your passion on the creative front and the, on the design front. But how do you manage the business portion? Because as I've said many, many times, if you aren't making money from your quote unquote work, you have a hobby, not a job. And so how, because you employ quite a few people and I want to get into the inner workings of your business, um, of the company itself, but how do you manage the operations and the actual business and the bottom line of the, of the company? So I wish I had like a really clever self-aggrandizing answer here, but I think (laughs) you know the answer probably already. Um, you know, I think, I think women are pretty much better than everyone else. I just really do. And I think that (laughs) if we, if I have four daughters too, so I'm really, 
you know, fighting alone as a male in our house. But <laughs> um, no, I think that if, if, if you took a grab bag of American women, right, just all types of women, and you pulled out whatever it is that would fill the Congress and the Senate and the, the presidency and just randomly picked a thousand women to run the government, like it would change overnight. There would be complete across the aisle working together, problem solving and fixing everything. I really believe that women are just better at, at working together with everyone and like working collaboratively and being considerate of everyone's needs. And so I felt that way before, but when my wife came to work with me like four years ago, five years ago, I thought it was going to be like this, my beautiful muse partner would be here and inspire me because I am inspired by women and their form and like, you know, the way that they physically interact with furniture. That's what I'm imagining when I'm designing a piece of furniture, right? Like how it's going to look. And it's not that way. My wife runs the whole company. She um, is the CEO. And even this morning, I was like having a, a difficult moment with her because I was like, I want to do this. And she's just like, she just goes like, no. <laughs> just like, I'm just like trapped in my maleness of like hating to hear that. Like, I hate it. Like, I'm like, I look around like people are going to gasp because they're just going to be so like amazed and no one cares. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, she told them no, that's that's the way it is. <laughs> and and she runs everything. She runs our entire business. And I have been given a new plan and way to live in writing. And I try my hardest to conform to it and to do things. No, I do. And like, for example, I'll give you one actual solid example this year. Um, our order time is like 20 weeks, right? So we are, um, our lead time is beyond the end of the year, right? So her thing is like, she's figured out to the letter, every piece that's going to be done by the end of the year, how much money is going to come in for it, and what that would mean to our whole financial picture. And she's like, and you can't jump the line and put people's stuff in front of it and make Marin a chair. And, you know, like, because you love her. And, and if you do that, it's going to knock money out the other end that we're not going to have by the end of the year that we need to close the year out and close down for two weeks and have Christmas bonuses. So she is incredibly organized and projects and, you know, all the stuff that I never wanted to do, right. To have like numbers and analyses and like goals, like, I am total free flower. I just like design something and I don't care about any of it or what it's going to sell for. I'm always surprised when it sells for a lot. Even if I put a year into working on it and it's made incredibly well, I'm not thinking about that part. And my point is that if you want to be really successful, and I've heard this from a lot of people from Warren Buffett down, find really good, smart managers and leave them alone. Like that's like, leave them alone. Don't get in their way. And we've seen that. So many of us have seen that in these entrepreneurial things like this entrepreneur, entrepreneur who is really passionate, motivated, and they get in and they start this great thing. And then they just mess with everybody, micromanaging and, and um, you know, making them feel unimportant. And I think that, you know, my goal is to give everyone here, whether it's, you know, we always say that the most important person here is the sander the person who does the final finish, because without that, 
nothing matters without it being finished perfectly right, smooth and correct. Our products aren't products. And so even though that's not the highest level of skill, it's the most important thing. So everyone here from the sander on up has mastery and they're the person that everyone goes to for their role. And so, you know, that is the thing. Find great people, support them, give them all that you can and, you know, and find a woman to run things. I think I'm dead serious. It's like, I complain all the time about how she, you know, won't let me do whatever I want to do. But like, (laughs) if she did, it would be awful. It would be like, a disaster it'd be just a disorganized mess like it was before she came so so before what did what did the world of thomas hayes studio look like before your wife came into the business it looked really good but we had like boxes of bills and post-its with like directions of what to do like post-its like very very there are no sops there was no hr there was no um 401k or you know, now we have like all of that stuff and it's very, very, you know, concise. And I was always generous and nice to people, but it, it's not fair is what I learned through her to be just generous to whoever you feel like being generous to. It doesn't breed a real team environment. Like you have to be, you know, um, treat everyone the same. You can give extra to somebody, but you have to make sure everyone gets the time off. You know, we have a lot of paid time off and, and sick days and you know, all the stuff we've added sick days, you know, this last year, because to, you know, there's a lot of studies on this, right? Like the four day work week or the six hour work day that people are only really productive for about three hours a day. So like tying someone to a desk and making them produce things for eight hours a day, isn't really that effective, you know, and you have to care about the overall health of your worker as opposed to, you know, what output they can do, right, at that time. And so we have a new production facility that's wrapping up this week in North Hollywood. And, you know, I would say I did the math on this. Um, I only do money math. I don't do any other kind of math, like accounting math, just money only math. But I figured out that in wages, in the time that they're going to save not commuting to Hollywood to work, it's like $7,000 a month. So even though I don't get that money, that's a raise to them to be able to be closer to their home, to be closer to their children's schools, to be able to have that flexibility to do drop offs or go to school events or, you know, that kind of stuff is what we want to get. But if they're an hour away from their kid's school, they can't just leave work and go. Um, And so looking for those ways to grow your business that are going to be really to have a team of solid people who want to work with you. Um, who feel appreciated and get Christmas bonuses and get time off. I think that I always wanted it, but you can want, my grandfather used to say, you can want in one hand and crap in the other hand and see which one fills up faster. <laughs> but it's, that's the thing. You know, my wife and me set goals initially and I just wanted them magically to happen, but it's not magic. It takes like long, arduous work and documents and like all this stuff that you have to do to make things happen officially and to make sure of things. We, we invest a lot of time in reviews. We do a lot of reviews um, for people at least once a year, but sometimes biannually. And those reviews consist of like real direct feedback about goals that they set and that they want to do and things that they want to learn. Every person gets asked, are there any classes or anything that 
would increase your skill level or would help you go in the direction you want to go. So everyone here gets that. And, you know, we, we just believe in our people. And, and it's everything that I've read from anywhere that I respect someone. That's what they talk about. Being successful is having great people around you, right. you know? And, and so, yeah, it was, it looked good, but it was a mess behind the scenes. <laughs> so. so I come from a long line of entrepreneurs where both the, the couples all were business partners. Wow. So I'm curious of your relationship with your wife and how you, maybe you don't turn it off. Maybe it's always like work is fair game all the time, but what does that relationship and balance look like? And I hate the word balance, but from the perspective of whatever balance means to you, how do you guys maintain a healthy relationship, both in work and in personal? So you have just the best questions, right? Because they really get to the heart of things, right? So um, I'll tell you what, it's really hard because um, she's the first person I've been in a relationship with that was so driven and so passionate about life, right? And the problem with that, right, is that when someone's like that, you really need to actually support them, not in the things that you want them to do, but what they want to do. And that's really easier said than done, right? Because for me, I'm just like, let's pay for this and have more time together. But that's not what it's about. It's not about the money. It's about her wanting to have mastery over what she's doing and her wanting to succeed. And she's eight years younger than me. And eight years ago, I was a lot more that way. I was like trying to prove something and really just kill it in business. And like, I'm not that way as much anymore. I really value more balance and more, um, more time off, I guess. But she is insidiously obsessed with getting everything done right. And she feels that the employees and everyone here deserves that. She looks at it in a very integrated way that like, the business feeds all of us. The business deserves her attention. So what that means is that there's times when she's like, you know, trying to work in bed till 10 p.m. So we built a home office for her at the behest of my therapist. And so, you know, it took some time, but she was able to like move all the bills and everything over to the office where our bed and our bedroom is not a work zone. Now, that being said, the difficult thing is that I tell her all the time, well, oh, don't work right now. But it's not work to her. It's actually fun. Some of the things she does, she saves because she enjoys it so much. And it's weird stuff. It's not like the same stuff as me. I want to look at furniture and talk about design. And she's like, well, you're working. And I'm like, but it's not working. <laughs> it's fun. So then she says, well, what I do is fun to me. you know. And I'm like, okay. So I think the key is, and I hate to say this because it makes her right, but it's like, scheduling like you have to schedule time for yourself to do the things that you need to do whether it's daddy daughter date night or our date night or just events that we do and that ensures that you have a minimum amount of interaction and create balance but without scheduling it's impossible because you're just responding to all the demands of the business this morning was a nightmare like by 7 a.m people trying to break into the new workshop the locks were broken. The contractors couldn't get in. Our heater went out at the house. Just like, just like Never a ton end. of stuff. Yeah, but 
but the key is like, again, like also COVID helped us a lot. We all know that some relationships that would have been great for the rest of the people's lives ended during COVID because people were locked in together. And some people are not meant to be locked in together. They have to have very separate lives. For us, it really helped us and helped us very quickly in a short time learn how to communicate better with each other. So it made us a lot better and a lot closer. And I, and I surrendered to like all the things that were really important, I think. You know, surrendering, I heard this definition. When you surrender, what it means is that to go from the winning side of the battlefield and cross over to the winning side of the battlefield. <laughs> like surrender to win, you know, like, right. because if my only reason for not wanting to do something is I don't like it, that's not a reason. There has to be a rational reason, you know? And I, I think this is a myth that women are deemed these emotional creatures and men are logical. And that's totally not true. Men are children who like, <laughs> we, just, we just don't want anybody messing with us. And when they do, we're just so hurt, like little children, you know? And, and women are very logical, but it's more of an integrated logic that you have to actually be emotionally mature to interact with. So if you're a man who's not emotionally mature, you're shut down, then you can say, oh, this woman's illogical or irrational. But no, she's actually more mature than you and you can't talk to her. So I don't know. It sounds like I'm pandering, but really I think I'm so happy and successful because I've learned and accepted these things. And I think that without that, I mean, it would just be me running the show, trying to be the smartest person. And I'm not the smartest person. I have really big redeeming qualities and really big skill talents, but then I have gaping areas that I just cannot do things. So admit that. And then, you know, accept it, I guess that's, what I you brought up emotional maturity and I'd like to, I just want to pay you a compliment because I feel like I was personally drawn to you because of your amount of self-awareness and yeah. definitely how much you pour into other folks, but definitely mm-hmm. like your heightened, heightened, heightened level of self-awareness, which is such an amazing quality to have. And I, I feel like my, my tribe that I formed around me has that level of self-awareness. Yeah. So my yeah. questions for you are, what did your journey look like as you were developing that self-awareness? And secondly, at what point did you, do you feel like you really leaned into your own emotional maturity? Because I feel like you have this like really youthful and vibrant essence to you, but you are insanely emotionally mature. So explain yourself. <laughs> well, I was married before. And I think that um, whenever you hear somebody who's like, oh, I'm divorced and like my wife's great, my ex-wife's crazy. That's just not true, right? It's never true. Because you picked that person out of a room. You pushed people out of the way to get to them. And then to end the whole situation with they're crazy or toxic is just so ridiculous, right? And, you know, my um, ex-wife, like, I was, I left the relationship really seeing, like, what I did wrong. Like, really hard look at, like, what I did wrong and the ways that I um, was mean to her and abusive and nobody likes to say that word right especially about themselves I was abusive but I was and I was that way because I didn't know how to cope with challenges we had and I thought like it was my job to like parent her and she's she's happy she's like great right now she's doing great so if that was true if I needed to parent her she would just be totally screwed right now without me 
not the case. So, so I learned through hitting bottom around it that that's not what is needed, that that's not, and that it makes you really unhappy. Trying to like control or parent anyone makes you really miserable. And then you blame them and you take it out on them, right? As opposed to saying, well, I have choices to make. I have things to do here, you know, and, and focus on myself and focus on my own happiness. You know, we're so prone to look at what's wrong with other people when we feel unhappy as opposed to looking at ourselves. And I think that I had to hit bottom with it when I got divorced. It was just really, really time for me to look at like, what was I doing wrong across the board here? And to then change all those things. And I was able to, um, I've been in therapy for a really long time. I've been sober for, you know, over 20 years and I work on myself all the time. Now, that being said, I'll be the first person to tell you like the ridiculous things, the thoughts that come into my mind and ideas that are absolutely crazy. You know, like um, when things get hard enough here, I used to say to my wife, that's, that's it, I quit, right? And it's so ridiculous, right? And this morning we talked about it because, you know, um, she's like, that's, you know, that's really horrible to treat someone that way because, when you're feeling those kind of things, you're overwhelmed when you say that kind of stuff, you're not thinking about how does it affect other people? People who aren't quitting emotionally at that moment, people who are holding it together, you know? And so I think that's where it came from. And then I seek a lot of advice. I have mentors. I think everybody needs mentors, everybody. From every walk of life, you need mentors. You need people you can go to to give them real life situations and ask, you know, their advice. And like, for example, I think the only way I would be able to be in my relationship and talk about my wife the way I do is that I'm surrounded by men that none of them are commiserators. None of them feel bad for me about how my wife treats me. None of them like they support my crazy ideas that she's messing with me all the time. All of them say, no, dude, she didn't say that. She didn't tell you no, but I, she said, no, no, she didn't tell you no. She just said something about this. That's what she said. You're crazy. Shut up. You know, and that's the kind of friends you need, right? If you're not with somebody in a relationship that people can say that about, that they're treating you that well and that you're crazy, why are you in a relationship with them? You know, why do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't really value you? Now, feeling valued is a total personal journey. Like, I don't, I don't feel valued because that's my own struggle, but to not be able to project on everyone else around you and to say, you know, like whatever, like, you know, feeling what's that book it's called uh, imposter syndrome or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone should read that book. Who's a creative. <laughs> Cause it's just like, so true. It's like, you know, people are going to find out any minute that I'm a hack designer, that my stuff is not good. And they're just going to like, you know, if I raise the price by $200, they're going to be, oh, my God, this guy's been tricking everybody for years. You know, like, that's really the thoughts that I have. And like, you know, like I said, nobody wants to use certain words about themselves or acknowledge certain things about themselves. But there's no other way to change things other than acknowledging, you know, what you're doing wrong. And it's endearing. Like, people want to hear that because they can relate to that. All of us can relate to, you know, like I love when people say I'm a people pleaser. I'm a perfectionist, right? Those are all code words for controlling and mean. 
Like you're controlling and mean if you think you're perfectionist. That means you make everybody else suffer your perfectionism. It doesn't mean that you're personally interested in doing the best, you know? And I think I've just one by one tried to really face all those things and internalize them the best I can, which on any given day, I just end up, oh, and, and apologize. I think apologizing pretty much every day to whoever you feel you've been inconsiderate towards is key. Just send them a text. Hey, I feel like I was being unsupportive or rude. And like, I really, I really don't want to treat you that way. You don't deserve to be treated that way. That forces you to grow and it forces you to look at the ways you're impacting others, I think. So yeah, I do my best. (laughs) I I feel like the big overarching topic is accountability. There's just, it seems like there's just an insane amount of accountability that you hold of yourself in every facet of your life, but also that the folks around you hold of themselves and of you and vice versa. And me, yeah. yeah. And my wife, this is the greatest compliment she gives me is that she says she doesn't know anybody who works harder on their ego problem than I do. <laughs> because, <laughs> I'm either the best or the worst, right? And when I'm the best, like I need to tone it down. I need to just be like, okay, get it together get some perspective. You know, like every morning I take um, coffee and tea to my whole upholstery staff. I just bring a tray in with coffee and tea to the whole room. And not the, not the woodworkers, just the upholstery room. And the reason is, and this is like business advice, right? Like one of the guys in there, um, one of the girls told me, yeah, he thinks you don't like him, right? He thinks you don't like him because you don't talk to him or you don't say hi to him. And my initial reaction was like, I was mad. I was like, fucking guy, like, what the fuck, man? Like, I have to say hello to 30 people and be nice to them every fucking day. Like, that was my reaction, right? But what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to find a, a solution that is not related to the problem, which is like a really good way to find things. So all I did was I started bringing tea and coffee to everyone in there and saying good morning to everyone in there. And it immediately fixed the problem. And it just has this great effect on everyone that the boss just brings them all coffee and tea every morning. <laughs> but why not why not be kind why not be kind to people and especially in reaction to my own insane irrational reactions to things take and find an action that can counteract that and change the narrative you know so yeah i think <laughs> you're right accountability Mostly of myself, because I'm the problem. I always tell people, if I could get rid of one person here to make the company better, it would be me. But I, I can't. I, you can't because your name's on the door. I can't. I can't just be like, get rid of that guy. He causes so many problems here. <laughs> he's, just, he's always messing shit up. It's true. Oh, my gosh. I so even good. told you that. I told you anything that we do to get a business life, don't communicate with me. Send an email to these people. If you tell me, it's going to get messed up. It's going to get done wrong because I just can't remember things and I'm not organized. I have to have people to help me with that. So that's amazing. Well, speaking of people to help you organize, you said uh, 30. So do you have a staff of 30? Is that everyone? Yeah, it's about that many. Between 25 and 30, it alternates, you know, a little bit, but something like that. That's amazing. And when I went to go visit your space, I I was assuming that I was walking into a showroom. I didn't know that I was actually walking into the space where 
everything from design to finished product happens under that roof. And I know that you're opening up another facility, but can you walk us through visually like where, like not where, but what each of the departments are and like what exactly happens to a piece like from conception to finished product? Yeah, absolutely. So walk around right now. No. So the people who are listening won't be able to see it, but I'd love for you to just like explain all the different departments. Okay. So this is our conference room that I'm in and there's a whiteboard behind me. I don't use it much except for like an initial idea. But what we do typically is prototype things. We just make something. And I sort of have this strong belief that people who draw furniture don't make any furniture. They just draw furniture and draw more furniture and draw more furniture. So I like to make prototypes right away, make it wrong. The idea is to make it wrong, to not overthink it, just make the idea. And then from there, we can edit it. We can trim off an inch and a half or or make a different stock of wood or whatever. And um, that's where we start. And then when we make a prototype, um, we usually make it more than once. We usually, you know, make it, but I, I used to make it out of cheaper wood or whatever to try to like, you know, save money because that's what conventional wisdom is. Now I just make it out of the best wood, even wrong because it doesn't matter. Like it needs to be made. And once you make it, then you start making the tweaks and and alterations. So there's three different guys who do that with me, who prototype with me. And all three of them work with me really, really well. And they anticipate because we've worked together for a long time. And and we speak a design language, right? And then um, we go from prototype phase. Once we get it like dead right, then we'll do like professional photographs with a woman that we work with regularly. Um, And depending on the piece, we will sort of hold it back and release it or try to get it published. But I always sneak out pictures to all my friends (laughs) who are designers and like, you know, you're not an interior designer, but I'll send you pictures of stuff I'm working on because it's just exciting and I get input, right? And I get like a general consensus. So before something hits the market, I already know, you know, how people are gonna react to it because I have people that are, are, you know, really into it, I guess. So um, then they usually will make templates and um, sometimes we'll do a drawing at that point, but usually, Usually not. Usually we don't ever make drawings. And then um, we'll enter it, you know, onto our website and um, we'll make a couple different, you know, showroom samples and um, floor samples and um, take photographs. And then when we get an order, we'll take a photograph of a grouping or a pair or whatever it is, you know, um, and then tag the designer. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, some of the best things I put out are just customized by a designer and they'll use two types of wood or a really interesting, you know, hair on hide leather or shearling. And like, you know, they're the ones who do it, but I get all the credit. I just did a post of a, an Inga's chair that we slid into the frame and I grabbed it and it was like covered in, um, in um, shearling and people just loved it. And it was for a designer who chose that, that fabric. So um, I try to get it where I do things in a way that I think people are going to love, but I usually ask for help. I usually ask designers to pick the fabrics for me and I'll do a FaceTime or show them or whatever. And, you know, so that's, that's sort of how things come to be. Sometimes things take literally years of, of, it's like a painter, right? They just work on it and they put it away and it's not done until it's done. 
it's, that's sort of how I feel about it. Because I used to do things quicker and try to sell them. And now I'll let it take as long as it's going to take and needs to take until it's really the design is complete. Because when you nail it and it's complete, it's done. Like nobody even wants to change it because it's it's right, you know? So that's... So how many pieces do you say you have in the works, kind of like in the wings that you're working on? And then secondarily, how many pieces do you think that you launch, like brand new pieces to market per year, approximately? Wow. So I have a whole smalls line right now that we're going to launch this next year, like early this next year. Um, and it's got to be 10 things, I guess. And we're doing like a drop of these things. Um, and they're, you know, non-furniture items, essentially, except for some jewelry boxes, which I don't think those are considered furniture, right? Jewelry boxes. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a bunch of stuff like that, but we've been working on it for nine months, I would say. Probably the better part of this year we really put the whole year into working on these things, prototyping, making them. Um, and we've made about half of them. We have a whole line of mirrors that we did. You saw the mirrors, right? Yeah, I, I did. And so per year though, like in terms of new furniture designs, I don't know. I don't know how many, a lot of times, It'll be a design that the designer wants to change it or really customize it. And the customization comes out in a way that's a new design. So um, that happens frequently, which I, again, I just get credit for every good idea and I can just erase every bad idea, right? Just kill the photos of it or whatever. And I always try to give credit to the designers, but, you know, again, that doesn't take away. I think we have this attitude of every designer wants to be, like almost like a god of what they do and it's like you know it's not the way to it's not the way to act to to do that i think you have to give full credit to everyone around you and it just uplifts everyone it really does it really is the best way was so. there a particular piece in your collection that really launched the brand that maybe yeah. is still a bestseller yeah it's a uh, the basic dining chair and bar stool is definitely the thing that started it all as my first design um, and then there's several more that have be reached a lot of prominence. Um, the, the iron and rolled stool, the Kojo, I guess at some point. And then the TK is probably my best seller now, which I developed with Tara Cantor in New York um, and named it the TK after her. And I just like, I sell probably I don't know, 60 or 70 of them a month, maybe. And I've had them, they've been knocked off very badly, but like five times by like Crate and Barrel and, you know, all these different places. And the good news is they just do a horrible job. So it's like, you know, I think not. there was a point in time where in one week I sent three different photos from three yeah. different brands where I was like, I'm sorry, this is the Thomas Hayes knockoff. <laughs> yeah, but everything's imitation, really. It's just that. You know, like I was definitely have everything inspired by something too, but okay. how well do you make it? How well do you execute? That's what it comes down to. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, the Mazda RX-7 was like a, a Porsche knockoff, right? But it's the Mazda RX-7. It's not a Porsche, you know? And I think that, that people who are really discerning about design, they want the best. They want the best quality feel and thing that they're, that they're going to get. And, 
that's definitely my clients, you know, and I tease my clients. I'm just like, they're like, oh, this is really expensive. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could show you five things that are really cheap that would be better in your house. I'm like, shut up. Don't say that. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Nobody wants cheap shit. They don't. Yeah, it's true. They want really expensive stuff for less. <laughs> <laughs> That's so right? true. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to folks who want to do what you do or do a version of what you do? Well, I, I have people all the time who ask me if they can intern or work with me. And I try to help every single one of them that I can because um, people help me. And I feel like I owe a debt, you know, and um, again, my whole advice is just make something, make it, make it, take pictures of it, look at it, show it to people, you know, um, and people are like, well, it's so hard to do that. And, you know, I, it is, but I had to, so you can do it like you can, and I'll help if I, I help a lot of designers, you know, there's a guy across the street who's a pretty great designer and you, what's the name of the company? I always forget, but they're literally across the street. They're very high-end Mexican, um, sort of Mexico City high-style design. Did you see it, Marin, or no? I didn't, no. Yeah, when you come next time, we'll go over there. But he did a little line for himself. He's the designer for that firm. And, you know, he came and showed it to me and was like, oh, I had this made in this prototype. And I just jumped in and helped him with every single part of it because why not? Like, it's not going to make me sell less chairs to help somebody make something great, you know? Right. and furthermore, it just it just does more for everyone. You know, I think that uh, you would like his stuff. It's very um, cubist. It's very hard line, which I think there's a market. I really do. He's great. His name's Jorge Ybarra. Um, and he has his own his own Instagram. Maybe I'll post something of his. Do it. I love yeah. it. So you mentioned that with your staff, you always encourage them to stay, you know, on top of their craft and you, you know, support them and sponsor them for any you know, particular classes or courses or things that they want to do to really hone in on their crafts. How do you do that for yourself? How do you continue to stay curious and educated and at the top of your game? Yeah, I've been obsessed with furniture for over 20 years, right? So I never stop. I just am always looking at things and Looking at Instagram is really good because you just see everything and I, I delve into stuff. I see something I like. I look for the tag. I look for the artist. I look at all their work. You know, you can do it so quickly now, right? Um, and I've learned over a long period of time how to look at things and what I'm looking at, and what how something's made and where it's made and what it's made of. And like, I'm obsessed. So it's, I don't I don't like to have to stay on top of it. It's just what I do all the time. You know, and that's the thing my wife's like, oh, you're working too. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I just, this is my fun. You know, it's like, I call it furniture porn. It's like, I'm, I'm sitting there like, look, <laughs> holy, you know, I best. love it. I do. I that's love awesome. it. And, and we have a lot of stuff in my house. That's my designs. And I really don't want that stuff. I want other people's stuff. And my wife's like, no, we have to have you know, your stuff that I really love. And I'm like, okay, we can, but it's a little bit embarrassing. I feel like it's like, I want to have other people's stuff. Well, it sounds like you're you're obsessed with your craft, but you're also obsessed with the craft of furniture design and furniture making, which is so wonderful. Yeah, I bought this amazing sofa from Sweden that we have no place to put. And she's like, why? we don't have anywhere to put this sofa. Why are you buying it? I'm like, because I really want it. 
So it's sitting in the back room and it's like, you know, and I like it, but you know, I wouldn't recommend anyone collect sofas. That would be the last thing. <laughs> just grab an extra sofa, a sectional leather sofa from Sweden, you know, by Desadie. Your next it's, location just becomes a storage unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She allows me my my indulgences, but she usually has standards. Like if we don't have a place to put this, we're not buying it. You know? And yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot. That's the thing. I always remind myself when I'm like frustrated with her, like, you're, I'm crazy. I just want to buy a sofa that we don't have a place for in our life that we're not selling. It's just like crazy. Right. I I use that phrase for myself as well, but I think that there is such a thing as a lot, but also a lot of good. Like you pour in a lot of goodness to your team, to the people around you, to strangers. Like you said earlier, you're very liberal with complimenting people and just pouring love into people. And I have to say it is, it has been a pleasure getting to know you. It has been a pleasure developing our friendship. And I'm very grateful to have you on the show. Oh, you too. My daughters love your jewelry and my wife too. We got a bunch of pieces and they're just so good. I loved your work right away because it's so honest. That's, you know, that's the thing. Everything doesn't have to be Mm $10,000. It can be very honest what it is. And like, you know, your pieces are so accessible, yet so quality, right? And, you know, it's everything. Quality is everything, you know? And I've tried to make cheaper things like that are like, you know, lower price point. It's so hard for me, right? I did a painted cabinet that ends up taking longer than, an all wood cabinet because the way I do it, right. Or whatever. And, you know, but having accessible things is really wonderful. I feel. So that's why we're doing the smalls because you don't have to spend, you know, three, $4,000 on a dining chair to have something small in your hand. That's handmade from us. It's like under $500, you know, gift things. People really want those kind of things, things that are unique and special and handmade. Um, it's there's really a big market for it, I think, because that's what we all want. We want something cool, right? Something interesting. So that's so true. Well, somehow it's already been an hour. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for being here. You're the coolest. We'll definitely have to do a sequel because we barely got into any of the questions. It was just so <laughs> wonderful. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I just I could just listen to you speak all day long. You just have so many stories and so much wisdom to share. Um, and I'm very grateful to, to share your story with our audience. So thank you. Thank you, Marion. I'll talk to you soon. Of course. Wow. Everyone that interview was just everything. A huge thank you to Thomas for coming on the show. Another big thank you to our hosts at dash radio and producers at Island city media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Please be sure to leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love just like Thomas Hayes. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Baby, why you gotta do me so wrong?
do, oh I do Let me take you on a trip You've only dreamed of things like this Wanna do we could talk so smooth I won't stop it now so you move Baby I won't bet you So let's take this time to just
The boss is making you nervous. Talk to Papa. Somebody said something. Talk to Papa. And you're stressing over nothing. Oh, nothing. Remember the time when we had nothing and all we had to share was one pack of noodles. And we would just find the way we were. Ain't nothing in the world could ever elude us. Now I see the stress in your eyes. And it hurts my heart to see my baby cry. Making you happy is my desire And all I want is for you to be fine Don't even trip or worry about a thing I got you baby when you come back home Start you off with a good foot massage And end it with love making all night Let me hold you, let me kiss you, let me give you all